Hey, my friend, welcome along to the Nutrition Nuggets podcast, helping you get clarity on nutrition. I'm your host, Dale Pinnock, Sunday Times bestselling author, nutritionist, and creator of the Culinary Medicine College. Every episode here in the podcast, we dig deep on the subject of nutrition to give you clarity, to give you answers, and to expand your knowledge. Hey, my friends, how are you doing? I know it's been a little while. It's been a while. I've had a little bit of uh, time out, but welcome to the new season of the podcast. And my word, are we going to kick this season off in style? This is someone I've wanted to get in front of you guys for such a long time. Um, someone that's actually taught me as well back in the day, a great friend of mine. It is Dr. Alex Richardson from um, Oxford University. Hello, Alex. Hello, Dale. And in fact, yeah, it's the charity Food and Behaviour Research that takes up most of my time now. I've taken a step back at the moment from the active research. Fantastic. Later, But lovely to join you. I know, it's long overdue, right? It is. It is. So look, just give everyone a bit of an idea of, I mean, if they've been living in a cave or or are new to the nutrition world, who are you and what do you do? Well, in terms of what I'm best known for, uh, I'm the lady who, well, the fat lady, the one who did the first studies of omega-3 fatty acids for conditions like ADHD, but also actually conditions like depression, schizophrenia. Now, those were just case studies, but really what I'm best known for is how fats affect our brains and therefore our mood our behavior, and our ability to learn. And long ago, yeah, the book, They Are What You Feed Them. (laughs) I have a copy here in my office. Well, that's right. That covers nutrition more broadly, but Mm. it was because of all the attention that was being paid to the idea that getting the fats right really could make a difference to brain function. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we do have this shared obsession with omega-3 fatty acids. So I, that's going to be where most of the conversation is going to be going around around mm-hmm. omega-3. I mean, there's, there's going to be other ones that we're going to talk about. So, uh, right. You know what? I, I, I reckon we should just jump straight into it. Now, uh, the listeners to this podcast, they're, you know, they're great with the details. So we can get into the weeds with this thing. All right. So oh, let's God. kind of I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask of you the, the broadest <laughs> question in the world now. Okay. <laughs> How exactly do the long chain omega-3, so, you know, just to to reiterate for everyone, omega-3, not just one single substance, whole family of fatty acids, what we're going to be talking about a lot of the time here are the long chain, the EPA and the DHA. Those are the ones that actually do useful stuff for us. So the long long chain omega-3, the EPA and DHA, can we go through some of the effects that they actually have on our brain, particularly the context of, um, you know, some of those conditions that you spoke about? Oh, yes, we certainly can. Thank you. Uh, Let's start then with the structure of the brain. Our brains are 60% fat. It's the most fat-rich organ we've got, Mm -hmm. if you ignore its water content. And the most important fats for membrane structure that we must get from diet are the omega-3 and the omega-6. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you've emphasized, Dale, you know, it's the long chain versions of those yes. that are biologically essential. There is so much confusion because, of course, dietary essentials, they often focus only on the short chain. Biologically, it's the long chain. Yeah. So what do we need these long chain omega-3, EPA and DHA for? Well, Membranes of every brain and nerve cell in particular 
have to have DHA and quite a lot of it in those cell membranes in order for them to work properly because structure is function. And if you don't have enough of the long chain, now DHA and I will say arachidonic acid, that's the long chain omega-6, both of those should make up about 20%, quite frankly, of the dry weight of your brain. Blimey. And if you don't have them in the right balance, then membranes just won't function the way that they should. In terms of the right balance coming in, yeah? Well, the balance between the omega-3 and omega-6, but also the balance between these long-chain polyunsaturated essential fats and other fats like saturated fats, cholesterol, those act to stiffen membranes and make them less flexible and fluid. Interesting. Very broadly, that's it. And if you want the cell membrane to be fluid and flexible and, importantly, to allow channels to open and close, to allow things in and out, then you really do want fluid, flexible membranes. You need the long chain omega-3 and omega-6 to do that. But it is the long chain DHA that most people are lacking. There are also, though, innumerable functional roles of these fats. Because let's focus now on EPA. That's the other long chain omega-3 that you find in fish and seafood. Structurally, they've now found out, there's no question, brain cell membranes absolutely don't want EPA in the membrane. EPA is a functional fat. It Mm -hmm. plays very little role in membrane structure, for goodness sake, and particularly in the brain that just doesn't want it there in brain cells. But what EPA is needed for is to make all kinds of regulatory substances. And I can't Mm -hmm. emphasize this enough. Once people even begin to understand all the substances that we make from the long-chain omega-3 and the long-chain omega-6, then that's when they usually begin to understand why it is that almost nothing matters more for physical or mental health than the balance of long-chain omega-3 and omega-6 that we have in membranes. Yeah. Is that okay for a starter? Because we need to... Absolutely, up- yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the perfect segue into everything else, isn't it? Well, it's the structurally and functionally. And of yeah. course, structure affects function. But yeah, DHA is your structural omega-3 that we must have in the yeah. brain and nerve cell membranes. Also, let me say, vision. Between a third and a mm. half of your retina must be DHA. And no other molecule can do the same job. If you're going to convert light, you know, photons hitting the retina into that electrical and then chemical signaling, it has to be DHA. Yeah. Incredible. So, so now, now that we've kind of got that foundation, can, can we talk about some of the effects on, on these conditions that you've studied particularly? I mean, the, the, one, the ones that fascinate me, I mean, depression to start with, because that's something that's so rife at the minute. Obviously, there's, there's vast situational factors. I mean, like the, the kind of gargantuan shit show that's unfolding like oh. throughout humanity. So mm-hmm. clearly, there's those kinds of things going on. But there is, of course, the biochemical as well. So can we have a, a chat about that? We certainly can. I want to pick up the link from vision first, though. This was actually my entry point into research. I'd already been doing six years or more of, you know, neuroscience, PhD, postdoc, looking at visual and attentional processing in dyslexia in particular, but also ADHD, 
and conditions including both schizophrenia and depression mm. and bipolar disorder, you know, a whole array of developmental and mental health conditions. Because how we pay attention to things, vision is actually our dominant sense, but all sensory processing and how we then attend to and make sense of in order to react to our environments the signaling, nobody was paying any attention to sensory processing in conditions like dyslexia, ADHD, schizophrenia, and so on. But the vision link, because absolutely nothing can substitute for DHA, as I say, without these omega-3, you really can't build a healthy visual system or a healthy brain. But it was from then finding out something about which, again, I never knew. We don't get taught these things, and we should, because you need <laughs> to get these fats from your diet. Yeah. Almost all of us don't. You know, Most people eating modern Western-type diets are seriously deficient in these long-chain omega-3, and I find it scandalous that given the amount of information we've got now, let alone when I first started, when, okay, there wasn't so much research, people need to know. Depression, though, I'm very pleased you flagged that one, yeah. Dale. This is just, yeah, it's becoming such a major issue. But we do now have very good evidence that the long-chain omega-3, if we walk through the three different levels of evidence that you always need, yeah. or in fact, we start actually with theory, you know, mechanisms, basic science. It's long been known that depression is actually linked with inflammation. Yes, neuroinflammation. People, yeah, well, inflammation in the body and, as you say, Dale, neuroinflammation, that's a newer kind of focus these days, yeah. of, yeah, inflammation in the brain. Now, I certainly want to say, we must emphasize, any diagnostic label, <laughs> doesn't begin to capture the huge variability. There's depression and there's depression, and no two patients will have the same cluster sure, of sure. reasons why you know they find themselves um, severely affected enough to get that kind of diagnosis, if they indeed do. But if we start then with theory mechanism for inflammation, the long-chain omega-3 are about the most powerful, natural, anti-inflammatory substances or things we make from them. This is yeah. the role, again, of the long-chain omega-3 as raw materials for all kinds of substances that govern our immune system, our blood flow, our hormone balance, and yeah. even the expression and regulation of our genes. <laughs> and because both the long-chain omega-3 and omega-6 give rise to all kinds of regulatory substances, the general principle is that they're complementary. We need both but they are often opposing effects. So substances that we make from the long-chain omega-6, mm. and the main one being arachidonic acid, yeah, yeah. those actually promote inflammation. Okay, Whereas substances we make from EPA and DHA, all kinds of different ones, and they are anti-inflammatory by a range of different mechanisms. So we're talking so, like uh, prostaglandins and resolvents here, yeah? We start, <laughs> I was just about to say, there's a whole... Sorry. I usually kind of walk through them, no, 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 this is great. Let's know. It's always great to talk to someone like you, Dale, who already knows. <laughs> because, yeah. Because you taught me on my master's, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Even back in the 1970s, okay, from the early 70s, it was already well known that substances made from... 
EPA, omega-3, mm-hmm. and arachidonic, AA, omega-6, collectively they're called icosanoids, okay, yes. because the Greek word for 20 is icosa, and both EPA and AA have 20 carbons in the chain. So when they get turned into regulatory substances, you've got this backbone of 20 carbons, the icosanoids. (laughs) These are prostaglandins, leukotrienes, thromboxanes, etc. That again, medics certainly would be taught about these things. What they would not be taught is that the raw materials for making them come from our diets. Right. But the reason they've been so familiar to medics and been in the textbooks for a long time with just chemical words like icosapentanoic acid for EPA, without telling you it comes from fish and seafood, and arachidonic acid, without telling you it comes mainly from meat, eggs, dairy, but you can also make it from short (laughs) six-founded vegetable oils. Hmm. So what it is about the – let's focus back on the inflammation – Anybody who's ever taken an aspirin or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, how do these drugs work? Oh, they actually work by suppressing the activity of enzymes that turn arachidonic acid into substances that cause pain and inflammation, okay? The very same enzymes, (laughs) if they had EPA to work on instead of omega-6 arachidonic, they'd be producing much, much less inflammatory prostaglandins, leukotrienes, and other cytokines, and so on. So yeah, the very action of some of our commonest drugs, and drugs that almost everyone finishes up taking at some point or another, these anti-inflammatories, you might not even need to take those if you were instead to have a diet that provided a more evolutionarily balanced ratio of omega-3 to omega-6, because this absolutely directly influences what those enzymes are going to make. Are they so, going to be pro-inflammatory, fiery, yeah. you know, keep inflammation, you know, raging substances? So it really can be, it really can be manipulated on by um, the which substrate you actually feed into the chain to start with? No question it can. Wow. Absolutely it can. And this is key because, again, things like the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, those, yep, they do a fairly effective job. Not totally, of course. Yeah. Um, but they have all kinds of side effects if you are able instead to actually change the substrate, as they call it, the yeah, raw yeah. materials that those enzymes are working on. We're talking the cyclooxygenase enzymes here, yeah. drops for short. And then I have to say, because there are so many side effects, very unpleasant ones, and some of them. All right, so that concludes part one of this podcast. Do keep your eyes peeled for part two. Now, I wanted to do this as a full-length version of the podcast, but unfortunately, the software crashed. And when we actually booted it back up, the end result was audio that just wasn't good enough for you guys. I did try and put it out, but then I listened I listened to it on a couple of devices. I was like, no, that's just not right. So myself and Alex are going to be recording part two. Believe me, there is some wonderful information in there. There's some wonderful informa- information, not inflammation. That's all that talking about anti-inflammatories. Uh, <laughs> wonderful information to follow. So that's going to be out within the next couple of weeks. Do keep your ears and eyes peeled. And thank you for listening.